You're about to listen to youth-produced content from Listen Up Youth Radio. Listen Up is a Twin Cities social enterprise working at the intersection of youth employment, leadership, and media production. Learn more at www.listenupyouthradio.org. This episode originally aired in September 2018. Hi, I'm Chino. And I'm Ijoma. And welcome to First Gen, where we talk about social and political issues and everything in between. Today, we're going to start off by talking about the Year of the Woman and how the midterm elections have actually been focused on women and women of color as well. For many examples, we have in Minnesota, trying to represent the second district of Minnesota, Angie Craig, who Ijoma has an internship with. That's true. Um, yeah, no, it's really interesting, like, seeing all the women that are running right now like in the office that like we go to do all like the canvassing and stuff like that there's just like a lot of like powerful women there working on um you know making sure we change things yeah it's been pretty cool and then we also have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez who is running in the Bronx and has actually won the primaries and we will be seeing in November whether or not she will be one of the youngest congresswomen in the history of the United States. So there has been a ton of representation recently with this midterm election. The last time this occurred was in 1992 and it was referred to as also the year of the woman after the Anita Hill case. Um, Super dope which is a super interesting story. Uh, it was basically, uh, it's basically a repetition of history when you look at the uh, Me Too movement and then following along with all the representation that women are having in politics. Uh, the Anita Hill case was a sexual misconduct allegation against her boss, Anita Hill, who was a professor of law at the University of, I think it was... Um, was one of the like southern states i believe i think it was like oklahoma mm. or kentucky i um, don't remember but she was professor of law and her boss would make a ton of uh approaches towards her sexually and would ask her to go out and she would respond that it would be inappropriate for her to go out with her boss um this only led to years of uh misconduct between her and her boss as he continued to push for her, uh, her so-called approval of him. Um, and then when the case actually happened, it blew up and it was spoken about everywhere. Uh, people watched it in their TVs at home. It was a very intense case because during that hearing, it was a panel of a bunch of white men where Anita Hill was a black woman who was trying to sue her boss for sexual allegations. Uh, And the panel of white men were actually ridiculing her and taunting her, asking her why she would even put up with that for so many years if she didn't want the misconducts and the allegations to uh, continue to happen. Um, So throughout that entire hearing which was hours long Anita Hill had to endure embarrassment and had to endure conversations where she was being put down and where the blame was placed on her for um, the abuse that she had to endure while she was working uh, with her boss so this case like ended up sparking 
like a lot of women running for office running for offices yep um a lot of women who are watching this case actually were in disgust that this is where they were especially because in 1992 you would think that that was a very progressive age after the civil rights movement after the Mm -hmm. feminist movement the first wave and second wave of feminism so people were very shocked at this and it inspired multiple women to actually go ahead and run for office because at that point in 1991 there were only two female senators in the united states So it sparked not only controversy, but it also sparked a sort of revolution, if you want to call it that, uh, of women taking over offices and women being able to be more engaged in politics, which I think is just a repetition of history. Yeah, it's also really good, though, because I feel like the first way to, like, make change is to, like, have people in offices. So it's kind of empowering to know that maybe, maybe we'll go into 2019 with, like, more representation and more people who listen to us. Definitely. There's a huge silver lining with any uh, pushback that happens. When there's pushback, there is a sort of revolution of sorts. Um, Like, for example, if we're going to talk about history repeating itself, the Me Too movement has sparked a lot of women to actually go ahead and put themselves out there, not only because of inspiration from other women, but also because they now feel as if they will be in a place that's safer and a society that will actually listen to... uh, sexual abuse allegations they don't no longer have to fear about um them being condescended in those environments as well i think it would also be like really cool to see if um like this kind of backlash happened during the 2020 election that would be really interesting because we don't know the candidates yet do we i don't think we do we know who's running against who um for example we know tim waltz is the democratic uh candidate for governor because uh aaron murphy lost which is uh unfortunate but um there are still women who are still running who have won the primaries and it's a very historic battle that they're going through right now um angie craig is going to be going against uh jason lewis uh and that's gonna be a really interesting that's gonna be super interesting um there's a lot of well first of all we can talk about campaigning as well because uh, there is a ton of campaigning on social media that I've seen recently that involve uh, political candidates. Uh, for example, uh, like last week I saw an ad on YouTube talking about Emsher and how Angie Craig has been making millions of dollars as a healthcare executive, uh, but J- she has no plan apparently. That's what the ad said. And the ad was like uh, ran by Jason Lewis for Minnesota campaign. So um, it's really interesting seeing how campaign ads are being placed in social media to reach out to younger people just yesterday i sent you a screenshot that i got an ad on snapchat from an independent candidate uh for the u.s senate i saw him like 20 minutes after he sent that to me i went on reddit and (laughs) he was the top like advertisement yeah later that day i went on instagram and there was an instagram ad about him and it was just so weird to me that that's the way people were approaching this election like another thing about campaigning that i found was really interesting like when you look up like when you search angie craig into like google search like jason lewis actually bought her search um like like um (laughs) come up so the first ad is like this is everything wrong with angie craig jasonlewis.com and then under hers is like 
angiecraig.com this is the real me or something like that it gets crazy he bought the rights to show up on her search page which first of all jason lewis is a whole other story that we can get into like the (laughs) (laughs) the things he said about women things he said about people of color is just something that is so insane which is like why why we need like a year of women like that's why we need people in office like if jason lewis wins honestly yikes i don't know what i would do that's no it's definitely upsetting what he said about women and what he said about black americans as well he has absolutely no empathy Mm -hmm. for um marginalized communities so it's not surprising to me at all that he would do something like that to angie craig um angie craig has uh, multiple times um spoken out about things uh, Jason Lewis has said, and she is very disturbed by things that Jason Lewis has said. Um, whereas Jason Lewis is only putting down his opponent is just a perfect description of what they actually are as people. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, though, has been making a ton of headlines as a democratic socialist, and it is actually one of the most inspiring things that I have seen in this midterm election, the possibly youngest con- uh, woman in Congress is going to be a Latina American. How old is she? She's going to be uh, 27, I believe, or 28. Oh, cool. She's going, uh, there is another candidate in Iowa uh, who is running for the first congressional district in Iowa. Her name is Abby... Uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but it starts with an R. And she um, she was going to be the youngest until Ocasio-Cortez started running. She's 29 years old. So it's really interesting to see how a woman from the Bronx and a woman from Iowa are so different yet so alike in how they are perceiving this election, which I think is great because there's a big diversity between uh, women in politics as well. It's not only just women in politics oh, who have yeah. the same approach to certain things. Uh, Casio Cortez is, demo- is a democratic socialist and Abby R. in Iowa is approaching her campaign in a much different sense in a way that's helping the working class which is how she plans is the the strategy she's going to go about to win the Iowa election. Yeah. Yeah. So Abby... Finkenauer is her name. Uh, Abby Finkenauer is super um, hardworking. I saw, I watched the documentary, not a documentary, but a little yeah. uh, snippet of her and a comparison between her and Ocasio-Cortez and how they work together. Um, not together, but how they work uh, differently, but still are part of the year of the women midterm elections and the differences between them and their politics. I really uh, hope, like, this continues. Like, I hope some people, like, even find inspiration in now, and, like, especially women of color and, like, people of color. Like, oh, I hope yeah. you go to school, like, our generation for, like, dabbling in politics, like, dabbling in community work or, you know, stuff like that. Because I think this is, like, definitely the right step, especially if, like, we can't necessarily change, like, the administration at, like, the top, um, but we can definitely, like, change, like, within. Which I think, I think is so dope. important about this election, um, we're going to have Trump as our president probably for our next two years. So who knows with the whole um, <laughs> Paul Manafort and the Mueller investigation that's happening. He's but impeached already. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, go. But um, 
Yeah, if we have a democratic a democratic Congress, it will be. Oh, I think he'll get impeached. A lot of easier, a lot easier to impeach Donald oh, yeah. Trump, which is something that is an un, it's an unavoidable topic to talk about. Um, I feel like yeah, it's a little like on topic, but honestly, like if you surround yourself with those many criminals, I don't know how you couldn't be a criminal. No, yeah, <laughs> and a lot. Um, I think it was uh, one of them was talking about how. President Trump was the one who actually told him to do these certain crimes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's not something that is, is avoidable to talk about. Impeachment is definitely on the table, especially if there's going to be a Democratic Congress soon, especially a Congress that is leaning really to the left that claims themselves as Democratic Socialists, like Bernie Sanders and Alexandria um, Cortez. It's just so necessary. Like, this is, it's very necessary um yeah i can definitely understand why all of this is happening now too it's definitely inspiring i love orcasio cortez and like this is the representation she's having for latinas in politics is something i've never seen before mm-hmm. because she's just so proud of it and i don't think there has been a really latina in politics that actually just shows how much uh love she has for her community uh and how much credit she gives to her community as well uh, most times in politics, when a Latina is running for office, they will usually pretend as if they aren't Latina in order to get elected so they can seem more friendly and more approachable to white voters. Hmm. Um, but I, the other day I was talking to my friend about how I'm jealous because this election season seems so intense and I wish I turned 18 by November so I could be able to vote, but I can't. So I've just been sending links to my friends and like making sure that they register to vote because I know they turned 18 before November. So it's it's something that I'm really jealous about because I really want to participate, but um, unfortunately yeah. I have to wait until the 2020 election. But honestly, that's also going to be another really important election too. Very true. Like, making sure that Trump doesn't get elected again. That's going to be a really weird one. I think one. though, like with all the youth, like I think with all the youth, there might be, Pence, you know, oh my gosh, impeachment. Yeah. There might be a chance that, um, you know, we can make enough noise and Trump does not, you know, get elected again. Yeah, that's another thing we can talk about. Like, the assumption is that when people from our generation get old enough to vote, we won't vote for Trump again. However, there are... I don't think we will. Like, even the, like, even the people who are not in politics or, like, kind of ignorant in our generation... I was hearing some of them talk at school, and they were not very happy. Like, right. I mean, they, they didn't. They weren't not happy about the things we were not happy about. But with all the promises he's failed to um, follow through with, and his association with like Russia and all this stuff, even some like Republicans or conservatives are just not sure. not really feeling it. People can think that Trump is horrid and you know all bad, mm-hmm. but the problem is that they aren't registering to vote. That's very true. And that's my main concern because there was a uh, poll and there's research done that concludes that young voters haven't registered more to vote than they have in the past elections at all. The the statistics are basically the same from the 2016 election and 2014, and it's just, it is basically the same statistics and the same number Mm of young voters who are going out and registering to vote. So it's probably because I don't think a lot of youth, I mean, it doesn't really feel like it affects us. Do you know what I mean? 
like we aren't really dealing with adult things or like all that other stuff or maybe we're not really in the center of a political sphere so a lot of kids just don't feel i guess that's like it's a necessity people feel like it's not necessary but at that point you are going to be 18 mm-hmm. and it's a realization that hey for the next four years by the time you turn 21 by the time you're done with college a lot of things will be implemented and a lot of things will be happening in your world that will affect you because you're going to be like once you graduate high school life goes really quickly i hear i hear all the time that the next 10 years go by super quickly and you don't even realize um all the responsibilities you will have to endure during that time so i think it's all a matter of um knowing ahead of time what you're going to go through and being prepared and making sure that you are part of deciding what the future is going to be like for the united states i think it's also really cool though like having a voice i don't know i think it kind of warrants an opinion like if you vote i feel like you're kind of more warranted to talk. <laughs> i respect you if yeah vote. like whatever your views are if you actually took time out of your day you know to quickly go to your local exactly. voting center you know what i mean i think it's cool and i think it's I cool know, to vote. i got really mad when i saw those statistics because minnesota is one of many states that um allows you to register online to vote also like <laughs> voter by mail you don't even have to leave your house you can um literally fill out a form that you can print out online and then just mail it and you won't even have to like they count your vote for you yeah there is really no excuse to (laughs) not go out and vote so if you're turning 18 by november you should register to vote because this is one of the biggest midterm elections that we one of the most important as well yeah that people have ever seen so make sure you go out and vote because things could go very very wrong if you don't true and now we're moving on to the molly tibbetts case which is a very serious tragedy that's happened recently and Mm -hmm. has hurt many americans not only because of um what has happened but of how it it is being approached as well and the insensitivity that is coming to the molly tibbetts case as well Um, when was the first time you heard about the case or what was your emotions or feelings about it i honestly i saw it on snapchat um, which I think is most ways how people hear about these certain things because um, there was the ongoing investigation of to where she of where she was, and um, you know her fa- she was on a run and her family yeah. just or her dad rather assumed that she was probably just out with a friend and like nothing serious was happening so I can only imagine the devastation they're going through right now because mm-hmm. they assumed that she would be fine, um, but also by making sure there's. Um, we're being sensitive to Molly Tibbetts and her yeah. family. Um, the way this is being approached by politicians is something that is very surprising. something yeah. that I did not expect whatsoever. The first time I heard about it, I was on YouTube, I think, and it was on the trending page. And I actually hadn't heard about it until they had figured out the, um, like, who had done it and all of that stuff. Oh, really? And I, I went to the comment section, and I was honestly so disgusted. And I I couldn't imagine if her family or anyone who had known her had, like, read the things people were saying. It wasn't even just random people, too. It was also in the media about how they made this a huge immigration, um, like, I don't know, it's pointer really or something like that. No, um, I saw – so I, I was, I've been following the Molly Tibbetts case for a while since uh, – it was first announced that she was missing. 
uh, I didn't think much of it since her family didn't think much of it either. Mm-hmm. But after like those three weeks and people realizing that she wasn't showing up, um, I saw on Instagram later from a BuzzFeed article actually, which was really interesting to me and I think it's why I found it so much more surprising that they started off with an undocumented immigrant is responsible for Millie Tibbetts um, uh, disappearing. I don't know. I just think, I think, I think every single aspect in this case is absolutely disheartening. First, of course, Molly Tibbetts, you know, she did not deserve that at all. And just everything goes out to the family. And then also just the way that, you know, media is like dehumanizing all undocumented people like no that was a terrible (laughs) man that was not you know he does not his actions did not speak for immigrants and undocumented like i just didn't understand how that conclusion was made and then also coming from a like debate standpoint it is so infuriating to see these educated people, like we're talking about the people who went to these Ivy League schools <laughs> on the news saying things with no statistic, like no statistics to back up any of their right. claims. There is no statistics anywhere ever that has said that undocumented immigrants or immigrants in general commit more crimes than regular American citizens. Yeah. And it's just I just think it's, you know, it's really disheartening. Like, how are we supposed to like move forward make change give you know time to the family that needs to grieve when you know we're you know making it a political thing like what is going on with like people in the republican party right now who are essentially just saying like who are hopping onto this case and using it as saying you know this just proves that we need to tighten our border security and we need to make sure that illegal immigrants stay out when during the parkland shooting they were like people need time to grieve but right after Molly Tibbetts' case oh, and the suspect yeah. came out and was seen as guilty for what they did, immediately they just hopped onto the immigration train and decided, hey, this is something that needs to be talked about. I was like, I was watching CNN, um, I think the other day or last night, and there was one woman and she was talking about how um, you, you guys can't make this a political pawn. Like, this doesn't speak for every, all undocumented immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. And then the man on the other side who was, like, responding to her was like, oh, so you're a sympathizer. (laughs) And it's like, no, you can just be rational and understand that this one person and this one person alone did an unforgivable act. But, like, how does that correlate to, like, the rest of the undocumented population? I just don't understand that. Isn't there, like, 12 million immigrants, like, in the United States? And then they're allowing this one man, horrid man, to represent all those immigrants but it's also kind of like this is exactly what they do to justify all of their actions because you know i don't know how to say this but a lot of people now feel that they are warranted to continue harassing undocumented peoples and it's just kind of justification for yeah like when are we gonna stop this I don't, I don't even know what you call it, stereotyping, or um, it's scary, especially a lot of kids. I don't know. It's very scary. I'm, I'm really upset about it because just like you said, when you look at the YouTube comments, I looked at the Instagram comments, and for a BuzzFeed article, <laughs> you would assume that the comments would be more liberal. Um, mm-hmm. That was not the case. Yeah. It was very disgusting and very saddening to read 
all those comments talking about how illegal immigrants are this and that and this is exactly why we need border security and toughen our border laws and like it was I don't, know, I don't think if this country never changes their narrative especially which um like we just had this amazing lecture we went to at debate camp from david chang oh yeah and i don't know he gave a very good lecture on it's professor at the u of m yeah, yeah the way we talk about um like the way we talk about who's here and where they came from and all of this stuff and how like <laughs> i don't know do you know what I'm trying to say? When when we talk about illegal immigrants and we put this huge illegal narrative on them, yeah, th- but we don't really look back in history. Like everyone here is an immigrant, if not so illegally. Like you know what I'm saying? And I just think this narrative and like this dirty word that they you know make it's it all a out very to be European concept to claim land and label someone as an illegal immigrant when. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever, which is something we can talk about, like, colonization and how people think they have the right to label other people as illegal immigrants. Yeah, yeah like, what gives you the right? on? And it's just this narrative that they make sure to push so that people who don't do their research or people who don't know that um, this land was taken, <laughs> like, it's n- n- not ours. Um, I don't know. It's just this whole narrative that just yeah it's Um, so crazy to see it happen one thing that i really enjoyed about david ching professor ching's lecture is how he made all like 100 plus of us uh repeat we are on the dakota land as a reminder to tell us that this is not our land it has never been our land and it never will be our land Mm -hmm. because we stole it from native americans white america when white europeans and white settlers came to the united states they did they had a genocide against to they to Native Americans, and that's the only way it can be explained, and the only way it can be approached, yeah. properly approached, because yeah. that is what it is. Yeah, um, I just like brought that up. I think it's so interesting to watch all these people talk about they need to leave our country. It's like, are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? But also, like another um, really sad um, aspect about this case was like what we brought up a little bit on the way here was the. Excuse me if I pronounce her name incorrectly. Nabra or Nabra Hassas Hassanen, I think it is. She's a Muslim woman who also disappeared. And uh, I forgot what directly happened to her. What she happened? was also, um, she was allegedly um, murdered by an in- undocumented immigrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, this happened 11 months before Molly Tibbetts' case. And also a very, very sad case. But the interesting the sadly interesting thing about this is that the media didn't pick it up as this huge this um, girl all american girl yeah. you know undocumented immigrant thing like that was never brought up in fact i'm not sure that there were even there was even any major news coverage of this so then it just brings me to my next question like if trump and all of his administration all people who back him up and his values really care so much about undocumented immigration wouldn't they have cared about this one as well like what's their real motivation here because a (laughs) woman of color was also killed in the same way yet they didn't pick it up and then use it as a political pawn in fact they ignored it they don't in simpler words they don't value 
women of color's lives as much as they do of white women's lives and that's the way it's always been mm-hmm. um when you look at how uh statistically and historically um people were afraid of black men raping white women when in reality the ones who were getting raped were native and black women by white men and yeah. that's the the narrative that was put out there for us to believe and it's continuing now and when we hear about um people such as the muslim woman who was murdered uh the media doesn't put much value on their on her on their lives because they just don't see it as Im- much as importance as molly Tibbetts' case i think this just goes to show like how what's the word disingenuous ingenuous something like that Mm -hmm. it just goes to show how much they don't really care about the situation they claim to you know care so much about yeah they're hypocrites they do not care about molly tibbets and it's so sad to see politicians use her as a political pawn for immigration when her family needs time to grieve and i don't think her family has said really anything about Actually, no, the family did speak out. They said that they were actually um, very, like, they were not happy that uh, That's really sad. their daughter was turned into a political pawn. That's really, really sad. And they didn't like that her name was attached to this and it was being thrown around, um, which it is so understandable. And it just makes me really sad that um, this toxic, like, political climate, you know, made such an unfortunate event um try to use it to its its advantage it's just it's because it has nothing to do with immigrants like and mm-hmm. her family knows that too like this has nothing to do with immigrants it has everything to do with toxic masculinity uh the report is that he was yelling at her from his car when she was on oh her no. run and trying to persuade her to come into her his car and to and keep pushing her so this is just something that has to do with toxic masculinity and has to do everything. It's a bad person, yeah. honestly. It has to do with just having a toxic personality and just being a toxic person, and it has nothing to do with being an illegal immigrant because that man does not represent illegal immigrants in the slightest. No, he does not. Um, but the uh, yeah, the contrast between the Molly Tibbetts case and can you pronounce her name again? Um, Nabra. I'm not really saying her name correctly. The last name. Hassanin. Hassanin. Nabra Hassanin. Um, it is very disheartening to see because this situation can happen to uh, a multitude of women, but it only matters to well, media yeah. what happens to white women and not brown women, which is what's been happening for a long time. When, it ha- when we're talking about immigration, the only reason people actually cared about the whole separation policy was because the audio clips that were being passed around weren't depicting brown children, but just rather just sounds of children scre- uh, yelling and screaming and crying for their parents. You didn't get to see a skin color attached to that mm-hmm. disheartening audio. And it, it is, it's really sad because that's the reality of our current political climate. And it's also a bigger reason as to why we need different politicians in office and why you should go and vote because it's just... It's not fair to see 
for Molly Tibbetts' family. It's not fair for Molly yeah. Tibbetts. It's not fair for undocumented immigrants. It's yeah. no one wins in this scenario. We need people in office who can actually sympathize or at least care yeah. enough to um, not racialize things and to actually take action in a way that's um, helping all communities, really. Right, because no one wins in this scenario. Like, mm. It's really unfortunate. Everyone is harmed in this scenario, and no one benefits from it whatsoever. Republicans think that this is going to be a sort of way to win over Congress or a way to help motivate people to believe that we should. The thing should. is, though, it honestly probably would. Like, when I tell you so many people are just not doing their research, yeah, and they hear this so stuff on Fox News, they, they're going to vote for tight immigration without actually knowing what that means. So it's really scary to see, like, this propaganda being broadcasted all the time. And that's not to, like, go off on a tangent, but that is why a lot of uh, media has banned people like Alex Jones for spreading false narratives and for spreading false information because it does affect people's minds and it does affect the voter mindset and how people are going to approach political scenarios. So mm-hmm. it it will definitely impact the election, voters' options, and it's going. we're going to see it growing yeah. into a bigger problem in the United States. We're going to talk about POC in school, because school's coming up, or OPN when this airs, and I don't know how we can kind of deal with getting back into the swing of things and getting back into this environment um, in regards to mental health, school, activities, you know, balance. I think that's a really important part in making sure that we stay healthy. Mental health, definitely, as well. Making sure that um, POC students feel safe and don't feel as if they are being used as a a token or to be feeling threatened every day Um, because in many scenarios people of color in schools don't feel the safest and mental illnesses are something that are overlooked especially not even just in schools but also Mm -hmm. POC communities so making sure that um, students of color have the opportunity to actually um, yeah. express themselves and making sure that they have as much opportunities as other people do and making sure that there is an equilibrium between them and their white counterparts in school as well. I think one thing I'm definitely going to work on um, this school year is asking for help because I think a lot of things, a lot of times, a lot of students of color, we don't raise our hands enough. Like We have so many things to say or maybe we need outreach for someone to talk to but I feel like a lot of times we get discouraged to do so over the years and so a lot of people kind of stop feeling comfortable to raise their hands or to go get help with their counselors or stuff like that but you know if you really need someone to talk to and I'm definitely going to be working on this myself like we should definitely just you know use our resources we should go to our counselors if they're you know if you feel comfortable enough or you know maybe if you have one teacher who you feel you know creates a safe environment for you like we should definitely you know seek help when we need it so we can stay mentally healthy i saw a post earlier today on the importance of representation of people of color in different fields of study um 
there was a black doctor who only had uh, white co-workers and he was talking to a patient and uh, along with the rest of his uh, team of doctors and they were trying to find a diagnosis for this man who believed he had a stroke and when the earlier doctors came in to speak to him he looked as if he didn't care that much and he would just nod his head and say okay okay um and they would leave and so later in that post the um, doctor the black doctor said that at some point he realized that this was bad because the white doctors were saying i don't know if um feeling i don't know if apathy is the right word but he seems like he doesn't care Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the doctors started like chuckling because apparently to them it seemed like the man was like okay with his condition didn't really care for his condition but the black doctor was able the patient was black the black doctor was able to understand that the patient was just confused and it was the problem that some doctors some who come from other communities can't communicate properly with people from other communities and there's that big uh, gap where um people just don't understand what's happening so the black doctor went back into the uh doctor's room with the patient and basically broke everything down for him and said i know you don't understand it so i'm going to break it down for you and more uh in simpler terms because a lot of it was a lot of information it was really overwhelming and he basically broke down the um, storyline of how MS works because the patient had MS. And he's basically explaining what it was and how it's a brain thing. And that was that's what the patient was confused on, whether it was a heart or a nerve problem or what was going on with him. And when he, the doctor said that when he came back into the room and asked um, and like announced that he knew he was confused and was going to break it down for him, the patient looked relieved because he was it's so uncomfortable to ask other people for help and i think that in poc communities seeking help or trying to you know understand things from someone other someone else's perspective and not being able to understand something from someone else's words is like looked down upon um and i think it's even worse for men of color because they're supposed to be um strong and upholding and they really aren't supposed to um be confused i think it's like definitely more for um like you know minorities in communities because like they don't really have the um like they well they don't have a community Mm -hmm. to go to uh so that definitely plays into school um, yes. If you go to a school where, like, you might be a minority. Connecting with your teachers. Even just, yeah, even just one person or one teacher. That hopefully you can find one teacher that you feel safe enough around to, um, you know, ask for help if you need it. Because that's definitely important going into school. Um, I think another thing that um, a lot of youth we should do more this is what I'm going to work on, is, like, challenging ourselves. I feel like, you know, no matter what that means to you, like, stepping a little out of your comfort zone, maybe if it's in academics or maybe it's in, you know, starting a club or even just going to a club or whatever, like, sports or sport you like doing, maybe just doing one thing that, like, challenges yourself or steps 
steps out of your comfort zone would also be a really cool resolution, which I'm definitely going to try doing. If you join a club or you join a community where you just talk and you are able to communicate with those people in that community, you are already con- you're already having connections and you're having people that you can talk to in school and you can use those people to, um, to ask questions to about teachers, about work. Um, you can... Be- can have relations with those people and so you are friends and you are able to better understand what is happening in the classroom i think one of the most important things that you should do in high school is you surround with yourselves with the people you want to become um, because they do have an influence as to who you turn out in middle school and i don't think that people of color are being told that before they enter high school because you know they just want to hang out with whoever they are closest with whoever they share most common traits with but when you hang out with people who aren't the best influence you eventually become those people so i think the main thing that people should do um is surround yourselves with people who you want to become people who you admire because they will rub off on you, their traits will rub off on you, and when you see them, you know, doing good things and going and striving for better things, it makes you want to start doing similar things, but for your own passions. So I think that is one of the biggest things people should keep in mind when they enter high school, or even entering your senior year, you know, you can still change that um, part of you, and you are able to um, be in a better community as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially also, like, for me, it's just surrounding myself with more positive people, or I don't know, people who, yeah, people who have a certain level of understanding, I feel like it's really ne- necessary in like this stage of my life, because, um, yeah, which I think is really important to a lot of people, just being around people sometimes who can understand what you're going to, so you don't have to, you know, explain and right. all that stuff, but another thing, too, that I feel like a lot of us could work on as well as like also learning to just be alone which is really yeah. good too i feel like finding a healthy balance between being okay around others and being okay around yourself is super important for school because it can become very overwhelming sometimes you just need to like you know be right. content in yourself it's not a bad thing to say no to a certain party you invite to or say no to hang out with a certain friend because it's something you need to develop at some point in your life saying hey i have this huge homework assignment that's due in like two days and i'd rather do it now than just go out and hang out with some people that i don't really have that much of a connection with or like when teachers especially for pocs when teachers start asking you to do all of their things for them like you know talking in class about this topic that they think you know about or you know going to this you know event for your district or something if you don't have time for that and you have you know an important ap lit project to get done you can say no it's completely okay to prioritize and say you know what i have school too (laughs) and you're not asking the other kids to do it so i think i'm just gonna sit this one out which is completely fine you don't have to speak for your community it's completely fine if you just want to sit down and not want to be the loudest voice on whatever issue they want you to talk about yeah and if you do want to that's fine too just know that you always have a choice like you You shouldn't feel obligated yeah to do certain things um you should follow everything by whether you want to or not yeah because i feel like that's also become a very big trend 
like a lot of like my friends and stuff you know like I don't know should I go to this thing I have homework to do today or all this stuff and sometimes we just have to learn how to you know manage and prioritize and sometimes it's okay just to be a student we're only kids so like it doesn't really matter what you do well it matters what like you know what matters is that you get your education and you make sure you have balance in your life and you don't become an imbalanced person and you don't throw your life off track and you make sure that you are healthy first before anything else um i was talking to my mom earlier because um you know i don't really sleep that much because i'll be uh, during the school year because i'll be doing homework or debate or i'm doing some type of thing some sort of panel that's coming up or i'll be um worried about something um mm-hmm. i'm not a stressful person i just usually just sort of do things and like stay up late i am oh my goodness yeah um so my mom gets really is a really stressful person mm-hmm. so she stresses out for me um and she was talking to me the other day about how she would rather have a healthy daughter who doesn't have a high-paying job than have a child who's in university but is sick and isn't happy which That's really opened my eyes because um, I don't think in society we prioritize health as much as we should because, you know, it, and especially in America, because in yeah. America everything's like fast paced and it's a race to see who is the best and who is the fastest to get to this yeah. scenario. I think that's position. Like also a really like good way to like end the show, like make sure that you're getting enough sleep. At the end of the day, if you haven't slept in a while and, you know, you might have a lot piling up. It might just be a good thing to, you Take know, put yourself first sometimes. Eat. Make sure you eat healthy foods that give you potassium and energy. Making sure that you are healthy and you're drinking water and you're sleeping well. Because health is very important. You yeah. can't do anything else You can't else perform without your healthy. best if you're not healthy. Yeah. So definitely for 2018-2019, go in with a healthy mindset. This is First Gen. My name's Ijoma. And I'm Chino. Thanks for listening. Bye. Want to support more programming like this? Rate, subscribe, and review our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Then go to www.listenupyouthradio.org and click donate. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Listen Up Youth Radio. Tell your friends. This episode was edited by Ari Shapiro. Thank you for listening.